But as, as Pastor Steve said, my name is Pastor David Culbertson. I'm the youth pastor here at State College Assembly, and it really is, I just cherish every moment that I get to come up here and share with you guys. Uh, preaching is one of my passions. It's the part of my calling, I think, that I love the most. And so every opportunity I get to preach, I just love to grab hold of and go at it. Uh, but this morning, we're going to be continuing in our how-to series. Uh, pastor Steve has been walking through a number of different things, and I've been loving every moment of it because there's such a great variety to these topics we're talking about. And I feel greatly privileged to be able to share with you during this particular season. Uh, I love looking around and seeing the snowflakes around. I love uh, that it was snowing this morning. Uh, for me as a Minnesotan, that was an answer to prayer. Hallelujah. Uh, I've been praying for that for a long time. So if you doubt that God's hear your prayers, let me tell you. He hears them and he answers them. Amen. But uh, I love the Christmas season. Uh, it's something that I just, I kind of go a little nuts. I enjoy it so much. My wife and I love it probably a little bit too much. We get so excited. If you've been around here for any time at all during the Christmas season, whether this year or years past, you know that about us. Uh, we get so excited. Uh, we, uh, it's kind of like a little kid getting giddy. I feel kind of kiddish when I talk about it. But we get our Christmas shopping done I've, most of the time before November is over. Uh, the beginning of December, our gifts are wrapped, and pretty much the day that they get under the tree, we go, let's open them. And uh, last year and this year, December 5th was our Christmas. <laughs> and uh, it was great. I love having it done because now I get extended family Christmas to look forward to. In this stage of our life, we get to do that. But I love the Christmas season, but not just for the gifts, not just for the snow, not just for all these different things, but because of the story because of the purpose, the heart of Christmas. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. We find the heart of Christmas in what many call the Christmas story found in Luke chapter 2. So I would invite you to turn there in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 1 through 20. It will also be on the screen behind me in just a moment. But this passage of Scripture carries such, it's such a cherished part of my life. As many of you probably had the same experience growing up, this was the passage that was read. Wherever we were, whether we were at home, whether we were over at uh, my uncle's house or my aunt's house or my grandparents' house, wherever we were, when we celebrated Christmas together, the patriarch that was present, whether that was one of my grandfathers, Melvin Culbertson or Dennis Abbott, or my father, Tom Culbertson, they would sit all the kids down and they would read the Christmas story. And I love looking back on my heritage with that. And now, as I have a family of my own, I get to do that every Christmas. On December 5th, Rachel and I sat down. <laughs> I just love doing it that early. It's so much fun. But we, I, we sat down and I read the Christmas story. I do it every year with our students during our Christmas party. I sit them down and we read the Christmas story. It's something that I hold very near and dear. And so this morning, carrying on in Culbertson family tradition, I would like to read the Christmas story to you. And every time I read it, I think about the patriarch, my father, my grandfather, myself, would find the most comfy chair, which I don't really have one, so I'll just sit right here and read the Christmas story. Is that all right? All right, so let's open up to Luke chapter 2 and read the Christmas story. Come on up, guys. Get ready. Are you guys ready to hear the Christmas story? Yes? Okay. All right, starting in verse 1, chapter 2. 
At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the entire Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, he gave birth to her firstborn son. He wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, for it was just the angel. Thanks, guys, for coming on up. While they go back to their seats, bow your heads with me, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful, wonderful account of history, Christmas story. Lord, I thank you for what you have done for this great message of joy that you brought to us. Lord, I pray that you would bless this message that you have prepared through me, that my words would not be my own, but that it would be yours. Lord, that you would speak through your Holy Spirit to every single person that is here, that we would all leave changed by you, filled with more joy than what we can. In Jesus' name, we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. That was fun. This passage brings me so much joy, so much joy. Uh, like I shared, it has such a special place in my heart, and part of it is that. Part of it is the memories that it brings back. My grandfather on my dad's side has long since been to be with the Lord, and I can remember him, and I can hear his voice. I can hear my mom's dad read it. I can hear my dad. It carries such great memories in my heart. But the thing that brings me the most joy of it, out of all of it, is that it speaks of the beginning of the salvation of the world, the coming of Christ. Hallelujah. If there's anything to get excited about in this passage, it is that, and it makes sense to me why the shepherds were so joyous that day. You see, the angel brought the greatest news the shepherds had ever received, ever. When God first created man, you see, there was perfect relationship. If you've been in the church for any period of time, you've heard the story of Adam and Eve, that God made them, he made the world, 
and things were great. They walked in the Garden of Eden together, but then sin entered the world and separation occurred. And in that meantime, 4,000 years passed until Christ came. 4,000 years. And during that span of time, God sent prophets, God sent different people to declare the coming of the Messiah. And he set up this system that to have relationship with God because they couldn't have any because of the separation of sin. They had to go to the temple. They had to bring these sacrifices. They had to do all these different things. They had the Old Testament, which declared a lot of rules that they had to follow to try to stay pure. But when it came down to it, their relationship with God revolved around the temple. It revolved around the priest. And they longed for the day that the stories they were told growing up would come true. The stories of the coming Messiah. And so I can understand why the shepherds were joyous then. Oh, what it would have been like to be one. Well, first it would have been terrifying because you always notice that when an angel appears, he says, don't be scared. (laughs) But for him to then say, listen, today in the city of David, Savior is born. And it will be good news to all people that will bring you great joy. Oh, how I'd have loved to have been there. But that, that is the message that they received that day. That they would be able to have relationship with God once again, just as God had intended. Thinking about this great moment of joy makes me think about some of the moments of joy I've had in my life. The first and foremost one that I would say of of great joy that comes to mind is June 15th, 2013. The day that my best friend became my wife. And there's been some amazing, innumerable joyous days that have followed since. I think of of July 7th of, of 2015, my wife's birthday. And this day carries greater significance to her, I think, than it does to me, but it was still a joyous day. That was the day I took my wife to the animal shelter and got her a dog. <laughs> for her, it was her first dog. I had grown up with them, so I was still like, yeah, dog. But for her, she was like, get a dog. But that's when we welcomed Riker into our home. And then I also think of Christmas of 2016. My wife is awesome. I think of how all of a sudden all the gifts had been opened at my in-law's house and my mother-in-law came up to me and gave me a card and had this little clue on it. And I went all over that house. You must have really enjoyed that. Went all over that house to come back downstairs and there's this big old bag and inside was an Xbox One S. That my wife had called and contacted both sides of the family, all extended family members, all kinds of different people, to pool together funds to be able to buy that for me so I could play with my brother and my dad as I did growing up. Talk about a loving wife. My wife's awesome. Amen. But uh, these are just some of the many sources of joy that we have. All these different things I've talked about. Our spouses... For some of us, boyfriends, girlfriends, fiancés, whatever that may be, family or friends, kids, parents, coworkers, etc., our job or our career, I find a great amount of joy in what I do here at SCA. We find joy in our things, our possessions. I think during this time of year, we can certainly come to agree with that in America as we give and receive gifts. There's something about seeing a kid open up that present on Christmas morning, just this look of great joy. We can find joy in money. Let's be honest. When we get a card, 
and we open it up and there's that crisp $50 bill sitting in there, there's a little bit of joy that comes into our hearts. <laughs> or when we're just meeting people at church and they give us a Holy Spirit handshake, which if you don't know what that is, it's hard to do. Hold up the bill and you just go, and they look at you like, don't say anything, just take it. We get a little bit of joy out of those things. Out of our hobbies. For me, woodworking is one that I just find so much joy in doing. Others, it might be painting. It might be singing. It might be baking. It might be cooking. Whatever it may be. All of these things can and often do bring great joy into our lives. And this is because they are a gift from God. James 1.17 talks about how every good and perfect gift comes down to us from God, our Father in heaven, who created all the lights of the heavens. 1 Timothy 6.17 tells us that God richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. God blesses us with these great things, our spouses, our family, our possessions, etc., to bring us joy, just as he has given us the hope for eternal life and forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ, the joyous message that the angels delivered that day. Far too often, however, begin to turn to these gifts for our joy instead of the gift giver. This is a very dangerous place to be. All of these things do bring joy to a degree, but all of them, spouse, family, friends, uh, job, things, money, hobbies, can only bring it temporarily. And when we place our hope for joy in things that only bring it temporarily, the results, not fun. Repeated depression, sadness, disappointment. And more often than not, when this happens, when we've placed our hope for joy in things that only bring it temporarily, we enter this terrible cycle. When the joy runs out, we turn to something different. We go looking for something new. Something else to fulfill our joy. And we can see this in so many ways through our culture here in America. One of them is that the average credit card debt of the American household is $16,000. 16000 When we run out of joy from our 55-inch LED TV, we decide, I'm going to go to Sam's Club on Black Friday. I'm going to buy that 75-curved UHD TV, whatever that means. It just sounds cool and it's going to bring me joy. <laughs> we see it in the high divorce rate that we have here in America. That when we try to find our joy, our hope for joy in our spouse, and that disappoints, we go looking for something new. And there's so many more, but this cycle will just continue going on and on and on. Now, am I saying that we're not to receive joy out of these things? Not, not at all. Don't mishear me this morning. The Bible makes it very clear that we can receive joy out of the circumstances of life. John 16 talks about uh, how the, a mother receives such great joy when she gives birth to a child. Philippians 1, the Apostle Paul talks about the joy that he feels whenever he just thinks about his friends in Philippi. 1 John 1, the Apostle John talks about how he is eagerly awaiting the joy that he will feel. And he's reunited with his friends. But what I am saying this morning is that these gifts are not to be our main source of joy, but rather the one who gives us these gifts. God is meant to be our main source of joy as he is the giver of joy. 
Now, the three passages that I just want to briefly look at here that shows us that God is the giver of joy. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, a passage that most of us are probably familiar with. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Sounds of you were singing the song in your head while I read that. And in Psalm chapter 9, verse 2, I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High God. We see from these passages that God is indeed not just the giver of joy, of gifts that bring us joy, but the giver of joy altogether. This is my favorite part right here. This is where this all kind of just comes together. Are you ready? I say to my students, do you have your seatbelt on? The answer, it's okay. Yes? There we go. You guys, you guys, it's been a while since I've been up here. In response. The message that the angel delivered to the shepherds that day, 2,000 years ago, the story that my family reads every Christmas, gave us the ability to have relationship with God, which gave us access to the giver of all joy, thusly resulting in a joy filled. And this is for all people. Just as the angel said on that day over 2,000 years ago, we all have the ability to live joy-filled lives supplied by the giver of joy, God. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you're feeling when you came into church this morning. It doesn't matter the interactions you had on your way, the frustrations that you faced. We can all live joy-filled lives supplied by God, the Father above. So I know what you're thinking. How do we do that? Well, this is a how-to series, so let's talk about that. I have come up with a list of just three short different things that we can do to receive joy as we find in Scripture. Now, I can't cover all of them because this would be a very long list if that was the case. But let's look at three different ways of how we can find true joy. The first way in which we can find true joy is through obedience. Through obedience. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Acts 228 similarly says, you have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. In John chapter 15, let me read a few verses to you here, 9 through 11, it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. This is where it comes together here. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. When we walk in obedience to what God commands us in his word, he rewards us graciously, with joy. If you're having a hard time picturing that, I want you to think back when you were a kid. Did you feel joy when you walked in disobedience to your parents? 
I know I didn't. I still have a very healthy respect and fear of my father. I did not want to get on his bad side. But when I was on his good side, oh my goodness. The joy and the love that they would pour out is the same as we walk in obedience to our heavenly father. He rewards us with that joy that only he can truly give. Number two, we can find true joy through prayer. Through prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I absolutely love this verse. I can't tell you how many times I've spoken out of it to my students on Wednesday nights. I could do an entire message just about this, but we'll save that for another time. But I love this verse because it essentially lays out a plan of action. It says, always be joyful. To get there, never stop praying. Be praying all the time, talking with God. And then it says, be thankful in all circumstances. When we come to God in prayer, give thanksgiving. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Uh, how do you always be praying? How do you never stop praying? That seems impossible. Well, I think in the church we do a terrible job of over-formalizing prayer. It doesn't always have to be, dear God, you do this, can you do that? Thank you for this, thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. God just wants you to talk to him. He wants you to commune with him, to be with him. It may sound weird, but I give thanks. I talk to God all the time. If there was an audio recorder in my car, you'd think I was crazy. But just as an example, I give thanks for all things. If you have ever tried to leave this church parking lot at five in the evening on a weekday, and you get to the bottom and there's no traffic, you go, praise Jesus, hallelujah, and you go on your way. We give thanks and we just talk with him all the time. And when we do that, we get to experience his joy because we're coming to him and being in his presence. Amen? Finally, number three, the final point I have for you this morning, to find true joy is through a Holy Spirit-filled life. We referenced it earlier, but Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the fruit of the Spirit. Talks about, and it says right in bidding, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Romans 14, 17 says that his goodness, his peace, and his joy are found in the Holy Spirit. The only way that the Holy Spirit can produce something in us as if our lives are filled with him. The only way that the Holy Spirit can produce something in us is if our lives are filled with him. We say it in here often, but we repeat things because of their importance, not out of routine. Spend time in God's word. If you want to have a Holy Spirit-filled life, spend time with him. Pray. Get to know who he is. Not out of routine, as Pastor Steve talked about last week. Not just to get it done, but to get to know him more. And when we do that, his spirit fills us and rises up in us so that we can produce or he can produce greater joy 
lives. As we come to a close this morning, I just want to share a quick story with you and then give you an opportunity to respond. As a member of the pastoral staff here at SCI, I am blessed in many ways, but one of the ways in which I'm blessed is I get to take a personal prayer retreat day every month. I'm given the opportunity to take a day and say, I'm not coming into the office. Instead, I'm going to this place or to that place just to spend time with God in prayer. And I go a bunch of different places, but one place that I love to go is a prayer cabin in Bullsburg. It's up on the side of a mountain that overlooks the valley. And as this porch on it that's not even as wide as these steps, there overlooks this giant grass field. It's a beautiful sight. I love being in his community. But one of the things that people often do is they'll bring their dogs out to that field, let them play. It's a big open area. I understand. As a dog owner myself. There's one time in particular that really caught my attention, and I'll never forget it. I saw this red Jeep pull up and park in the parking lot down at the bottom of the mountain. And in the back, you could see two yellow labs, just raring to go. They were so excited. And no sooner did the owner go back and open the door that those dogs, they didn't just calmly get out. No, they leapt out and started sprinting as fast as they could across that field, doing these giant loops bigger than this sanctuary away from their owner, and then coming back and stopping and doing the little play thing and then going around, tongue just flapping in the wind. And a practice that I've taken up, I read about in a book called The Jesus-Centered Life by Rick Lawrence, and it talks about how God's creation was made to reflect his nature and his character. And so whenever we see something that kind of grasps our attention, to ask God, hey God, what does that show me? What does that tell me about your divine nature and your divine power? What does that tell me? And then wait and expect an answer, not trying to fill it in in my own brain because I could come up with all kinds of things. But I could not believe, I was shocked, just taken aback by the answer that he gave me. It was one of those that I knew it was God because I would have never thought of it. And he said, my son, those dogs are like those who have come and found me in salvation. Before I came along and opened that door, they were trapped with no way out. They could see their freedom. They could see those open fields, but they had no way of getting there themselves. But when they came to me, I opened that door and released them into freedom, and they overflowed with joy. They had so much joy in their hearts that they just ran and ran and ran. And that is what happens when we come to God. Through the provision of Jesus Christ, which Christmas celebrates, we are set free from the things that once held us, and joy overflows in our lives. Will you please stand with me this morning as we come to a close?
2,000 years ago. It begins at the Christmas story. What you need to have true joy in this life begins with a relationship with God the Father above. You could all bow your heads and close your eyes with no one looking around. There may be some here this morning that you have not taken that step. You wonder and you ask yourself, where is this joy that everyone talks about? It's found in Jesus. But you have to have a relationship with him to receive it. If you have not taken that step of asking Jesus to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins, to have a relationship with God the Father above, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. If that's you this morning. I'd like to enter into relationship with God. Be forgiven of all the wrong things you've done. I just want you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. I just want to see your hand so I can pray for you. you've been looking for joy in the wrong places. You've been finding it in the gifts instead of the gift giver. In just a moment, Pastor Kyle is going to lead us in a song. As he does, I invite you to come to these altars and pray. We have to understand, we have to know that God's desire is to fill you with joy. His word would not say always be joyful if that was not his desire for you. If you've been battling depression, I urge you to come to these altars and pray as he begins to lead in just a moment. Asking God to fill you to overflowing with his joy. Asking God to help you seek after him and not the things he gives.